Hello friends, how's it going? It's Matt, you listen to Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. It's the show where I try and cover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks for checking this one out. Hope you enjoy the episode. How's it going? Everyone all right out there? So this is an episode I've been trying to get off the ground for a while and I'm very glad that I did. That's because my guest this week is the inspirational Dan Mancina. Dan's a skateboarder who is, as his Instagram bio puts it, blind and changing how people see. I'll give you the brief backstory in case you've not come across Dan before. So you've got the context ahead of our episode. So Dan was born with a hereditary degenerative eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa, I think that's how you pronounce it. Apologies if I've got that wrong. Which began to affect him when he was in his early 20s which eventually led to him losing his sight completely within a few years. Now, obviously, as it's going to be for anybody who loses their sight, this was a huge physical and emotional blow to Dan, who eventually decided to use his condition to try and overturn the preconceived ideas that most sighted people have about blindness by returning to his first love of skateboarding. And the story of what happened next as Dan learned to overcome his blindness and reclaim his identity as a skater, has rightly proven to be one of the most inspirational, that word again, and humbling in skateboarding. I think it's because it's a story that speaks to us on many different levels. For all sighted people, the prospect of going blind is a really frightening prospect. It's something. It's one of them where you you know it strikes at something primal, really. And I think everybody's probably wondered how we'd handle it if it ever happened to us at some point. It's the type of there but for the grace of God thing. We tend to shy away from really thinking about that closely because we're scared of what our reaction might reveal about our own character. So on one level, it is a story about how Dan overcame this physical condition to skate again. And like I say, to reclaim his condition for himself. But really... It's the story of personal identity and the strength it takes to not let yourself be defined by the physical changes that come from diagnoses of illness and disease. In its way, it's a bit of a companion piece, really, to my recent episode with Tim Baker, which if you've not checked out, I very, very much suggest that you do because it covers similar ground and is third time lucky as inspirational as this conversation with Dan. Now, I'm very grateful to Dan for trusting me with this one and for being so honest about his life as a, a blind person and a blind skateboarder. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Here's me and Dan Mancina. Enjoy. Nice, man. So you're off to, what, you said you're off to LA tomorrow? Cali here, back to Cali. Um... What's going on? Uh, just family stuff, visiting family. No, uh, no fun skate stuff. But yeah, I got family nice. down there, so I'm out there like almost every, uh, almost every month. Pandemic, right? Um, you know, willing. So yeah, nice. Is that will that be a fun trip? Yeah, always good, man. Always. <clears throat> I mean, I lived there for a while on a high school about four and a half years back and forth from Michigan to there. And, um, you know, I don't, I kind of got burnt out on Cali and it's whatever to me, but now I have family there. So I, uh, 
So I go, I get, I get my fix. It's nice during the winter here, you know, when it's good to go yeah. there and get to go there and thaw out, you know, for a couple yeah. of days and then. Yeah. Cause you're, back. you're in, you're in like Detroit, right? So you get freezing, freezing winters, right? Yeah. We'll be, uh, we'll be starting to chill out here right now. So once you hit, yeah. um, end of December and all that stuff, it gets pretty cold. So, but yeah. I like it. I like the winter. I'm all about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I was I was watching, uh, I think it was the barracks thing, and I didn't realize that you started snowboarding first in the in the Midwest. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. So that what the hills like that? They must be pretty flat, right? <laughs> yeah, they're tiny. They're like old garbage dumps that are closed down, and they, you know, put a couple of lifts on them. Um, so it's nothing big, you know. But, yeah. But still super fun, you know, like little parks and stuff. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of where it started for me. Was I love snowboarding when I yeah. was like a little, 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 little gram, I guess, like ten years old, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. <clears throat> right. Um. And then you know, then there was you know during the summer can't snowboard, so I read some article in a snowboard mag and snowboard mag. Um, that said, you can skate during the summer to keep your keep you um on point kind of and then I, that's kind of how i started really like actually skating around and doing stuff um yeah I mean, it's funny isn't it because it's normally the other way around really you know you you often find that like kids i mean that's certainly how it was for me like i got into skating first and then later on it was like um snowboarding sort of came after that so what 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 was the uh like when you found skating how was that then um, it was kind of a slow, uh, a slow trickle, I guess, into my life. You know, I also had this cousin who would come over for holidays and, you know, like do little wheelies and spins on the board. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then it wasn't really till I, I moved to a different city, um, moved from like East Detroit to, uh, uh, Livonia, kind of those things like suburbs outside of, outside of the city of Detroit, right? <clears throat> right. And uh, I moved and met like a group group of kids who also skate. Um, so this is right around like middle school. And that's kind of when I really um, dove heavily into it, you know, like started watching videos and started learning like, oh, there's this whole, there's this whole industry or this whole culture of like, you know, these skate skaters that I grew to like, you know, idolize and stuff like that uh, through the videos and stuff. Yeah. And then just learn that, you know, there's actually tricks that you can do. Cause I was pushing around from like age seven to like, just like, didn't know what skateboarding was. Like I literally just, it was just like transportation, I guess for me, pushing Mongo all over the place. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And yeah, but you know, like I said, I met that group of kids and um, that's when it really, you know, really, I really fell in love with it. So so what what year are we talking like what you know you said you're watching videos and starting to look up to skaters like what was what what Uh, was influential when at this point for you so it was um all the zero videos that came out you know like misled youth all that stuff um on videos were big 411s were big then um like the heyday right of all these epic videos you know we get like yeah. one or two, one or two videos a year um, yeah and they were just huge so 
Well, another big one was Chomp on This. was like one of my favorites. Um, yeah. And then Trans World going into that stuff. Uh, my all-time favorite vid is In Bloom um, right. with, Tony, with Tony T. So that whole era, you know, so going into, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah, like just like just before the internet changes it and when it's still like the industry's based around like the big release and that's that's kind of what's getting everybody amped right and you said because you know I've, I've read a little bit and know a little bit about the backstory from some of the other stuff that you've done so you know you've talked about and you mentioned earlier that you moved to cali so it sounds like you were pretty you know from an early age you were like yeah i want to i want to do this like i want to skate and maybe try and take it as far as i can is that is that kind of how it was yeah i always wanted to you know i guess be uh like i said like i idolized those like the skate like tony t and uh jamie thomas and like all these people i'd see on videos like <clears throat> i was like infatuated by that that whole seemed like the coolest thing to do um carrie gets all these people so it uh it definitely was a dream to 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 be able to support myself through skating was always a dream, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, moving to Cali for sure, like jump right into it. Cause I had only, you know, I didn't really know what the real industry was like. It's so different. You didn't know anything about it back then. Um, yeah. just being from, you know, the Midwest and Michigan. And I just thought it was, I thought it was completely different from, you know, the business world and, that's very naive to think that it was it was it was its own kind of thing um separate from like every other job in the world you know yeah well you have to kind of learn that don't you because obviously when you when you get when you get it from especially back then as well because because you know those films like we're saying it's not like they put a barrier between ordinary skaters and and the industry but you know they're definitely like portraying a dream aren't they and they're definitely portraying like a lifestyle and making it you know and, you, and it's only when you kind of start understanding like you say a little bit of how the industry works you sort of realize like it is actually work isn't it you know these people are actually working really fucking hard and it's super competitive and you gotta be you gotta be on it and you gotta be you know and skating's or whatever it is snowboarding surfing whatever like having the physical talent is one thing but you got to learn to negotiate those worlds, don't you, as well? Yeah, it's the whole thing. You know, it really turned me off of, of everything. Uh, moving to LA and then working in the, like, just worked at like a surf skate snow shop, which was like the best job ever. <clears throat> ZJ's called ZJ Boarding House in uh, Santa Monica. Right. Actually, just recently closed after like 33 years or something like that. But, oh, man. Yeah, it was a bummer. But, just learned a lot, you know, like going to ASR. You ever heard of ASR, like the big trade shows back then? Yeah, it's in yeah. Vegas, right? Uh, this one was in, um, fuck, it's San, San Diego or Santa Barbara. I don't know the difference. <laughs> They're the same in my head. That, that, uh, that's the, a bit like me. The one that's California. south, <laughs> south of LA. Are they San, both south? San Diego. San Diego. San Diego, yeah. okay. So it yeah. must have been San Diego. Um, and just seeing yeah, that, like the big, cool. the big, the big trade show, like everyone there, yeah. like in a hall and all that, right? Yeah, it was cool. You know, it was like super fun, and 
so rad to be a part of that and actually you know it's like be able to see like you know pros in life in in real life you know the dudes i just watched on videos was rad and but then you just realize oh this is uh, it's pretty much run just like any other business i mean it has to be right it's <laughs> that's just how things yeah. are um and i got turned off for sure and the way it was like so clicky back then uh it kind of started to be like that like you had to be cool, you know, to, to fit in. And I come from, you know, Midwest. That time was just like, if, if you skate, you know, we're, we're all friends. We're all down. Like we, we don't hate on somebody for somebody's style or anything like that. Yeah. Um, although now everywhere's like that. <laughs> but back then it, it was super just, you know, it didn't matter who you are or the way you skated or what tricks you did. And then going yeah. to LA was like, at that time was crazy. Like, you know, you had to do the certain tricks. You had to be fit this kind of fit this idea of what skateboarding was, and I wasn't into that that uh, that part of it. Um, right. And I was over so did it. You, I was over did it you move back then? Did you head back east at that point? Uh, yeah. I mean, I still lived and worked at the shop. Um, I actually had a son at that time, and then I, I yeah, I moved back to. Uh, go to school and stuff like that and try to figure out life, you know, try to support my son and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. My whole life changed from that point as far as having a kid and skateboarding was, uh, really took a, took a back seat in my life. Um, right. And right around that same time, you know, like two after my son turned around, uh, two and a half, three is when I uh, stopped driving and my vision started getting worse. So that on top of it, uh, skateboarding was just uh, non-existent in my life. <clears throat> um, right. Totally. Uh, yeah, it, it was the last thing on my mind. Like I had like decided like, yeah, I guess that's it. You know, I'm I'm just not, I'm not a skateboarder anymore. I don't do that anymore. So right kind of i kind of totally hung it up and yeah i forgot about it and focused on school um and was just busting my ass in school for i mean god i just finished last year so it was talking about uh 12 like five yeah six years six right. years of school um, what, what have you been what have you been studying Oh man, it's not <laughs> a lot of things. You know, I've, I barely passed high school. So I started like at a community college, um, yeah. and associates in, uh, it's called aviation management. I thought I'd work somewhere in the airport Yeah, and then, uh, finished that. And I went and I was like, uh, my, that's when I went like pretty much lost the majority of my vision. Right. So okay. I kind of changed my whole life of like, okay, what, what can a blind, what does a blind person do? You know, what can I do as a blind person? And went into massage therapy. I, uh, did like a year program for that and then finished another associates in applied science for that. Um, and I worked like for a year as a massage therapist, like at a, at a, uh, like a little, what was it called? Massage green. I think it's like a chain massage studio, you know? Right. Um, and me, my life was just all over the point, all over the place at this point. Yeah, um, you I'm know, sure. 
yeah, I had separated me and my lady who I had my son with. Right. Um, uh, and yeah, she moved back to California. That's why I go there all the time to, to for visits and stuff like that. Yeah, um, sure. So uh, just just hectic, you know, and then losing more vision. So can I can I ask you about that then? So because you because it's obviously been like a, a degenerative condition, right? So it's you, like you. Well, firstly, I get, you know if you could explain what it's called. Yeah, it's it's called RP. They call it, or it's retinitis pigmentosa. So it's a degenerative I, eye disease that uh, it's a hereditary disease. So you're born with it, and uh, right it slowly deteriorates. Uh, your vision throughout your life and it's really different for every person you know some people they lose their vision later in life some earlier in life so right and does it always does it always lead to to complete sight loss um uh mostly uh you might use a lot of people might have a little bit of vision here and there um you know like a little chunk here a little chunk there for sure um, it's really dependent on, on just each person, you know, it's not sure. a uni- a uniform, uh, sight loss, but it's generally your, uh, peripheral vision goes first, right? which is your actually used for your, to see at night. Um, so that's kind of the first thing to go, right? You have trouble in, uh, dark, dimly lit places, um, transitioning from uh, a sunny environment into a dark, you know, restaurant or pub or something like that. Sure. Uh, is when you start to really notice it and it really starts to affect you. Um, and then it just kind of goes to tunnel vision, narrow and narrow usually. Um, right. And it's better in some because you, if you can hold on to that central vision, because that's really your your what you read with. Um, you right. know, that really like acute, like fine detail. Um, if you can hold on to some of that, you'll be okay. You right. know, most most people who are legally blind still who are blind or legally blind actually have remaining vision. Um, I think that's kind of a, a misperception that people have, uh, right. you know, you, that, can, I, you can still be legally blind and actually drive, um, with right. certain corrective lenses and certain training. Um, yeah. So how long did that for you, you know, you said it was hereditary. You're obviously born with the condition. So, how long did that process take from um, being fully sighted to 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 when you completely lost your sight? Uh, to be completely blind, total blind was only about two years, two and a half, about two years ago. <clears throat> right. So you're talking, you know, thirty, thirty-one years. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's and and it. But you said that it got to the point. But being you know, legally you... blind where it really affected my life was like my mid-20s. Like tw- late, mid to late 20s is when I had the, when I started to consider myself a blind person. When I stopped driving, when I wasn't able to, uh, you know, even ride a bike. Or at, at a certain, in the beginning, you know, I wasn't able to leave my house without being with another person. Yeah. You know, like couldn't walk around my own block um things like that and you have again you have sort of talked about this a little bit before because um you know obviously you've got the physical challenges of coping with this new situation like you just described but 
the men- the mental challenge is 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 a very obvious thing to ask about because you know it's it it is a very obvious thing to say, but it's obviously like a completely life changing event for you. But equally, it seems that what's really difficult from what you've said is another element is the way that people perceive you because you know you go from being a per you know being Dan being Daniel who you know who's like a skater and he's you know perceived to be I'm going to like use inverted commas normal by people but then suddenly you start getting judged upon the fact that you've lost your vision and you know people start to treat you differently and and you know presumably that's the third element to this that's very difficult to cope with initially yeah that was the the hardest element for me to cope with I didn't have any trouble like uh transitioning into you know the day-to-day things you know um like cooking and (laughs) you know doing stuff like that um the the daily living skills as we call it um and uh yeah, that that was like I said, like that's the hardest element was the way people treated me differently. Um, that's what started to kind of wear on me over time, and where I started to realize, like, okay, these people are affecting me and the way that that I view myself. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. You know, like it's almost like a self esteem thing, isn't it? Like that, you know. So, and how how do you how do you cope with that then? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was kind of over time and a big part of it was getting, getting some training where I went to an organization called Leader Dogs for the Blind, who they actually prep people for and um, set people up with a leader dog. Um, you know, those are like the classic dog you see with like the harness that says, do not pet yeah. me, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> which I actually, <laughs> I made t-shirts one time that said, don't pet me, I'm working. That's probably my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hope to have a board graphic that says that one day. Yeah. But, that's uh, but, uh, what was it? Oh yeah. That's where I had, they do O and M training. It's called orientation and mobility. And that's using the white cane. Yeah. Um, Cause I had previously, you know, once you put that cane in your hand, that's when you get the label, right? That's when people start to identify you as a blind person. Um, yeah in a major way, like out in public and stuff like that. And your family and friends see you with it. Like, Oh, you get the cane now. huh? And it's like, yeah, it's weird at first. You know, I didn't, I had it for years. You know, I got one when I was legally blind, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't touch it for years. Um, so doing that and then getting that training, uh, was the first time I was in an actual environment, um, that understood blindness. You know, you go and you live there for, I lived there for like a week. Um, okay. And then being around people who understand it and, and treat you normal, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And that helped me really get a grasp of of what visual impairment was and what blindness was and that it was just huge in, empowerment uh, um, going through that program and uh, getting some independence back, right? You know, I, was, I got my travel back. I was able to, to be able to travel freely uh, by myself and stuff like that. So um, having that and then getting that little bit of motivation um, and really it was just that, that some of that self-confidence back um, helped me kind of just, I guess, really become, you know, what I've become 
today in the public eye, right? Like this advocate or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, that was the first step and it's huge. So, I mean, I definitely have to say that's the number one thing I encourage anyone with the visual impairment who's going into the world um, yep. is, is to reach out for services. They're all over the world. Um, and it's all free, you know, it's all, it's all there for you to, to take advantage of. It's a hard yeah. step to take, you know, cause it's accepting it and <clears throat> doing that. And people don't want to, it was hard, you know, I had to leave for like a week, you know, and live there. Um, that's not yeah. easy for people to do who have families, uh, who are still kind of working with jobs. You know, I was in school and stuff like that. Um, well, I was working as the massage therapist at that point, actually. Right. Um, yeah, that, that was it. That was the beginning. And that's where I started to shift that idea of, okay, they, I can't buy into, uh, these people's, what other, the way other people see me, uh, what, what they see me as or what they think I'm capable of. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have a dog and I don't know if you can hear that. There's a dog on the other side of the door going nuts. Um, <laughs> oh man, I, I've got a dog as well. I totally, you know, yeah. I'm about, to, I'm about to get a, a puppy Newfoundland, so that's going to be oh, wow. huge. Are you familiar with that breed? <laughs> yeah, they're massive. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be a joy. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'll be brilliant. I love those dogs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my dog is uh, currently asleep on the sofa. Just took him out, took him out for a quick walk before we did this to keep him chilled. Um, so could you say going back to that that topic, like? Because I guess it sounds like you have to make the decision that you're not going to live your life on those terms. You know, you, you, you're going to decide that you're not going to be defined by this. Is that, is that, could you put it that way? Um, yeah, yeah, that's that a big part of it. Um, and, I, and I wanted to really, that's why I decided that I wanted to change um, the misperceptions and the idea, the stigma attached to blindness. Um, that's when I really made that jump to do that. Um, I was doing a little bit of that, like on my, I had a, in my Instagram at the time, you know, I would post things, um, of me doing like random things, like what you wouldn't expect a blind person to do. It's like anything from, you know, beer pong to throwing darts or kicking a field goal or something like that. Um, yeah. Some, you know, it's, uh, I was doing that a little bit. I even, uh, did it, had a, my first time I got on a skateboard in a while. I filmed a little skate clip, um, doing a front board in a box and stuff like that. But then after that training really motivated me to, to, uh, to push that even further. And, you know, I was posting like a video a day for, at a time at a point there. So, and that was a conscious decision that you made to be like, right, I'm going to like own this and and kind of, you know, reclaim the stigma that you're describing. Yeah, yeah, Re redefine that of what it is to be blind. You know, the, the, the tag on my Instagram is uh, blind and changing how people see. So that's the whole idea behind that. Yeah. So when, when did you start thinking about skating again? Because, you know, you described earlier that obviously there was the, the it sounds like there was a combination of circumstances in your life the, the vision loss being the main one clearly that had made you put down the skateboard. Um, but then what was it that made you, cause you know, like, I think that's what's so fascinating as you, as you will obviously know way better than me about, about the whole story. It, it's just so hard when you can see. <laughs> so, so like deciding that you're going to pick up the skateboard again when you've lost your vision is, is just immediately even the act 
is a hugely ambitious statement, isn't it? And it's a it's a really sort of bold statement insofar as you're saying I mean, you know, if you're gonna try and change people's perception of blind people, that is a pretty pretty good way of doing it. So <laughs> yeah. so so was that was that like did that come into it or did you just miss skating and think, you know what, I'm gonna I think that was that was kind of the catalyst for it. Um, you know, posting that first video got got a cool response. Um, it got reposted on like the Tony Hawk, what was known as the Tony Hawk Foundation at the time. Um, I think they changed their name to the Skate Park Project, I believe, or something like that. Right. Um, but I got posted on there, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool," you know. And I, at that time, I didn't think I would be able to. Uh, get the same satisfaction or fulfillment out of skating um, as I did as being sighted. Um, but just slowly like film a couple more videos and posting those. And then like, um, I mean, even going out and skating was, was way what I didn't think was really <laughs> in, in something I wanted to do at that point, really. Right. Um, which I guess that kind of, like I said, that, that was what, what fueled um, me to keep skating a little bit more and more. Um, and then I guess eventually I just decided like, man, you know what I should, Oh, what the hell? I did an interview for Gencom, which is like this big, you know, uh, East yeah, coast. I know yeah, yeah. Kind of thing, which I had no idea what, what, what that was at the time. Right. Uh, I, I had been on a skating for, you know, six plus years of just being on it and had no idea what's going on. I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> um so it's uh i did that um and i filmed like a line doing something and uh that got all kinds of great feedback and then i was like you know it, it would be cool to film a full part um and then i just you know over after going out and then actually finding a uh, another oh cuz none of my friends skate anymore really the ones i grew up skating with they all golf now i fucking hate golf <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that'll happen <laughs> so many skaters golf now it's crazy but yeah um yeah then i found a crew that uh, um i ride with now like my buddy steve and randy and Corey and all these adam all the dudes i skate with um just a younger, you know, like a younger generation under me that that are still out there getting it and filming and falling in love with that. Because um, that's what I loved kind of in the beginning was, was working towards uh, filming a, fl- filming like a full part, you know. That was, that's always my my, uh, my goal is, is to finish that stuff. Um, yeah. It's not always the funnest when you're doing it because uh, I take, I tend to take things a little too serious <laughs> So it can get a little out of hand, but when it's done and complete, man, it's that's the best feeling. Yeah, um, and you, there's some footage from you know back in the days, and there of some full parts, like in the first the first phase of you skating. That's that's done the rounds. So yeah, you know you were you were fully fully into that side of it, weren't you, from an early age? Yeah, yeah. Just because that, that comes from growing up watching the videos, you know, watching. The yeah, it's like parts and... the the ambition, get the part. Yeah, you can look up Super Shoes. I think I have a part online somewhere on YouTube. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's my last one. I have full part. I think I filmed as a, a sighted person. So then when you, the second phase of skating, that that's where it led to when you when you started skating again, you know, you, like you say, you had this Jenkin thing and you started 
having some some traction on Instagram, you thought, right, I'm going to try and film a, a a a part being blind. Was that the goal? Yeah, that was the goal, and it was still it wasn't ever like be a sponsored skater. You know, I was like, oh, maybe I can get some free boards or something. You know, <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's as far as I thought it would go. So I reached out to my favorite brand growing up, uh, Real Skateboards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jim reached back, uh, and it was crazy, um, uh, talking with him and sending me some boards, um, right around that time, uh, Paul, Paul Shire from Adidas, uh, reached out to give me some shoes too. He, I was wearing some shoes in a clip and he was like, I see you're wearing the booze knits, sent me some. So I was like, I was happier than, than anyone in the world, you know, to get hooked up from the brands that I, I loved as a kid for sure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jim had talked about uh, Action Realize is a um, like a thing that Real does about uh, they have it for all kinds of things. It's to raise money for for any kind of um, you know like you know sometimes it's for like cancer for somebody or yeah uh, something like that you know it's just kind of just a way for them to give back you know they they make they think they like lose money half the time making these boards but they they were going to do a, a raised braille board um to raise money for my foundation that i just started back then keep pushing to build a accessible skate park um that's so rad and all that was just all yeah whirlwind of all that stuff happening um and just stoked me out, you know, having somebody like Jim and Paul who like actually believed uh, in me was the, was the second catalyst in my skateboarding that pushed me. It still pushes me today past uh, where way past um, where I ever thought I would get uh, both yeah. on my board and off my board. So that's amazing, man. So I guess that's, you know, you mentioned your experience, your first experience in the industry. So this is obviously like a completely different experience second time around to be getting this, this support and, and, you know, helping you achieve these kind of wider goals, right? Yeah, for sure. I always knew I, sh- I always had an incline that I should have moved to Northern California instead of Southern California. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm just like, you know, more like, you know, up no- I grew up up fishing, hunting up north and doing all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it would have been a better fit. Um, but I mean, Jim, just Jim Thebo, you know, you know, familiar with him. Yeah, I mean, he's a legend. I really want to get him yeah, on here, actually. He, he, I didn't know how much of a legend he truly was. Um, but that's just meeting him, man. You know, I mean, he's all about uh, just love, both um loving each other and just the love of skateboarding, you know, and sharing that with as many people as we can. So yeah. and really respecting what, what skateboarding is. Um, and just aligns with, with me and really guides me for sure. Just seeing what, what he's done and, and the way he handles, how he handles what skateboarding is and where it goes is, uh, very inspirational to me and, and makes me, fucking almost cry uh to know that there's somebody like that who loves and cares about skateboarding you know it's uh it's rare it's 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 what i lost and what i what i 
fell off. That's what I lost in uh, being in LA and stuff like that. Those years when I was younger. So it, it re, uh, you know, reignited my, my fuel and, and my flame to, to that passion for skating and stuff. So big part of well, my that's, life for sure. That's what I was going to ask you next, actually. So, you know, so now that you're skating again, how does that feel personally to be to be able to identify as a skateboarder to the extent as you obviously are when presumably at one point you thought that was gone forever that must feel amazing yeah it's the best man it's um it makes it's the only thing that really makes me happy honestly um aside from you know family and stuff like that but it's still even that doesn't <laughs> it's i mean honestly it doesn't bring as much joy as, as skating can to me so it's just the most important thing to me, you know. When I'm when I'm not skating and out on my board and I don't feel like a skater, I'm, I just feel like shit, you know. I don't yeah. feel like I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, it's brought that, uh, you know. Everyone needs something to to chase in life, otherwise you're just lost, you know. So having that is is huge. I lost that for a while. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been crazy, man. It's uh, you know, I there was so much going on when I was just getting into skating again. Um, you know, I was I was going to school for some other stuff too, like finishing my undergrad to go to for my masters, and uh, I just recently finished all that stuff. Um, and I can you know, it's only been about since uh, maybe about a six months where I've been able to 100% focus on just skating um, and actually just live as, as a, as a skateboarder, you know, <laughs> live off of skateboarding. So it's been wild. Yeah. That's epic, man. That's so great. So can I ask you a few questions about like the actual process of skating for you? And, you know, I'm sure you've talked about it a lot, but, and, you know, I'll post some videos and I've seen, I've seen plenty of plenty of videos of of the process, but it'd be be super cool if you could talk talk me through it. So, is it? I guess it starts when you get to a spot, right? Yep, getting uh, mapping out the the environment and figuring out what I can skate there at the spot. If there's anything I can even skate, um, stuff like that. And is that is that? Is that like a physical thing then? Like you'll go around with, with the, the cane and, and kind of like map it out mentally so you, you can get a picture of it? Yep, walking in, just walking it out. Exactly, walking out uh, the run-up, the obstacle, and then the, the landing. Um, swiping my cane, you know, big sweeps back and forth, figuring out if, you know, if I land, if I need to veer left or veer right or what I got to do. Um, it starts with that. Um, and I mean, I skate, my skating is a lot different than it used to be. You know, I skate so much slower and I, yeah, I kind of have to start pretty close to an obstacle, especially if it's a ledge or something like that. Uh, if I want to get like technical and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, gaps are really hard to skate, uh, cause you got to start further away and you have to go in a straight line, which is <laughs> very hard to do actually. <laughs> um, yeah, no doubt, man. And then timing that uh, the drop and landing and all that stuff, and 
psyching yourself up to just jump off one is, is crazy. Um, a lot more stressful than it used to be. It's, it's gotten better, though. Um, I mean, when the early videos you saw of me skating with my cane, I had a little... Like the old videos you'll hear me talk about, I have like this little piece of vision in my right peripheral. Yeah. So I'd kind of have to look off to the left and, and I'd be able to pick up like shadows and stuff like that, um, which helped like uh, a lot as far as like orientating myself um, and knowing sure. where I am. <clears throat> and then losing that was pretty scary. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to have to switch everything up and if I'd be able to even do what I did back then. Um, and then the first thing I filmed as fully blind was actually for another Gen Com piece, actually. Right. Um, was uh, last, Christ last winter time, maybe the winter before. And uh, that's when I learned my, my hand technique. So you'll see me reach down and touch the obstacle now. Um, right. And that was the, uh, the 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 missing link there that that I needed to figure out. That really helped me uh, get more technical. And I've done things now that I, you know, didn't ever do even when I was sighted. So, right. That's, wow, that's <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah, it's been it's been cool, man. It's it's. I still feel like I'm so. Uh, I'm getting older. I feel like I'm running out of time and, and I'm not, I can, I'm never going to reach uh, what I know that I, you know, the, my true capability, you know, I know that so much more can be done. I just, just need those years of, of practice and timing and stuff like that. So yeah, I wish I was about 10 years younger for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all <laughs> Yeah, doing, doing what I can here to get as much done in, in this window, you know, I guess another question I've got about it is, have you had to change what feels good about skateboarding? That might sound like a strange question, but you know, like obviously everyone. No, for sure. Yeah. Everyone knows, everyone knows what, you know, when you do a trick and you do a trick sketchy, you know, that feels a certain way. But then when you do a trick and you do it, you know, in a way that you consider stylish or smooth or whatever, that's, it's just a different thing, isn't it? And a lot of that is to do with, with sight when you're a skateboarder. So, presumably... oh, no, I know, I know when something's sketchy. It's, no, it's I don't really, I don't, I don't really mean that though. Like, I more mean like in terms of your internal process to what feels good. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you had? How's that changed? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I know when I land something off, uh, even a little bit. Um, but I used to skate a lot more transition, and I love going fast. Um. My favorite thing was just cruising down a busy sidewalk in California, you know, and weaving in and out and stuff. And I miss that a lot. Um, that's the one piece I, that, that, you know, I'll, I'll never get back. So yeah, had to change that. You know, like I said, I skate so much slower now. It sucks. Annoying. But, you know, I can still bomb hills and stuff like with friends. But, um, yeah, it's it's the speed that I miss for sure and ripping around big bowls and stuff like that. It was always fun. Yeah. Um which the bowl thing I haven't had the motivation to get back into that. And it's, it's, <laughs> I'm just focused on my ledge game right now, really. Is is what I've been into trying to get as technical as I can. So maybe one day I'll get back into that side of it, but Yeah. 
I mean, just cruising, you know, using my board to run to the corner store or something like that. Uh, I miss that a lot. Um, yeah. It's not, not really something you can do. No. And that's like one of the simplest, simplest pleasures of skating, isn't it? Just, just a roll, really a roll around. Yeah. But so, but you must be looking at your skating because everyone, you know, everyone, everyone's got the, the mental list that they want to, that they want to do. So what? what what's that looking like for you like how what are your ambitions for skating now um god uh definitely i mean the handrail is up there um i've been thinking about a rail for years but i just haven't found the right one or or, or really focused on it um i guess right now it's it's just getting as technical uh flipping in flipping out of things as much as possible and then uh, uh, piecing lines together is is so hard to do. Um, you know, when you're <laughs> finding a ledge, uh, doing a trick, figuring out where you're at, and then maybe finding another ledge or finding a stair set is, uh, is, is probably the biggest challenge. Um, yeah. And then there's some things I've knocked off for sure that will be, I'll have a part coming out uh, soon here within the next couple months um of some cool stuff that i did that um that i stuff i like i said that i had hadn't done even when i was sighted so um yeah man and but it's it's ever it's ever growing you know like i said i just feel like i'm 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 behind and i am <laughs> there's more so much more that i can do so uh, yeah, that's my focus, you know, being technical on, on ledges and rails, flat bars, and then uh, eventually a handrail. So those are <laughs> the big goals. Man. Yeah, I mean, that the thought of it is crazy, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like d- d- doing a handrail with no vision is definitely something anyone listening to this is going to be like, wow, okay, fair enough. I have a, a, a buddy of mine um, actually just just did one who's also blind, so... I, is think that, is that, I think he's is he the guy in the in the matters video that you did the red bull one um i don't think i could neither confirm nor deny that <laughs> we'll have to wait he has a part coming out very soon that, that you'll be able to see it and and yeah yeah it's very, he, it'll be very he, obvious <laughs> he, he he rips no he doubt. rips he he that's my buddy justin bishop he um yeah he shreds transition so good you know yeah yeah, I mean, I, like watching that, I was, I was, I was like, you know, wow, <laughs> fair, yeah. fair enough. There's That's another sad. dude, Nick Mullins, who's from Michigan, actually, the first other blind skateboarder that I met, um, right. and he can skate mini ramp like unbelievable. Really, like put I lines mean, together. Oh yeah, like dope lines, like you know, big spin five O's and Nolly, all this stuff. Yeah, he he's super good, dude. He's crazy. Wow, that's so impressive, isn't it? That's just yeah. So the other thing I was going to ask you about all this is, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you got a pretty big platform now, and the real opportunity with the advocacy that you that you talked about, and you know, clearly the advocacy is is really important to you through, you know, you mentioned the foundational stuff you've done and the stuff with real, and you know, what so how where do you see that you could take that because it's a real opportunity isn't it to like you say to change change perceptions in a real in a really concrete way 
Yeah. Um, I try not to take it very serious. <laughs> I just, I, my focus is to just keep doing and living the life I want to, um, and showcasing yeah. that. Um, and I feel like that, that's how, what I did from the beginning and that, um, is really the best way just to show people like, Hey, this is blindness. I like, I like my blindness to kind of be a, a backdrop in a sense. Right. I'm just living my life. Right. Um, and yeah, but I mean, I'm, I, with my, uh, nonprofit, I'm kind of combining what I've learned. Um, like I said, I went to school, I ended up getting my master's in what's called vision rehabilitation therapy. VRT, which is working with uh, vision impaired and blind people um, and teaching them the skills to be independent, right? All these daily living skills from cooking, cleaning, um, shaving, uh, maintaining a a home, stuff like that. Like anything um, about living on your own and, and, you know, regaining your independence, um, even working in within like a, a job or a field things you need like technology all that stuff so combining that with my skating uh, my nonprofit, keep pushing um, i just teamed up with new line skate parks they build they design and uh, build parks right um and they're designing um, a little mini adaptive park um, that i'm going to hopefully build soon um right adjacent to my house uh, i just oh, wow, i actually man just purchased the the deed to the land it's a little sliver of land right next to me and i'll put up a little you know accessible park right that will have like everything from you know audio things speakers within objects uh, lights within objects um, good contrast lighting and stuff like that and then combine that like i said with my vrt stuff and i'll invite you know each year you know as many families as i can to come out and stay with me um, with kids with visual impairments um, and then you know hook them up with you know all the skate stuff you know adidas shoes and real boards and stuff like that and skate with them and uh, share my knowledge of skating and then also my vrt stuff of like you know cooking together and doing all that stuff so that's the big goal uh, for 2021 um, wow. just kind of combining everything that i've that I've worked towards as far as education and skating and all that stuff and my influence to uh, bring it all together to have that, that park uh, and bring people out um, and then share that, you know, through social media and stuff like that. Amazing. Um, yeah. That's, that's the big, the exciting thing I've kind of been working towards. So I've been crazy busy with that. So. And it'd be pretty nice having a skate park next door. And it's the training grounds, exactly, for my winners and stuff like that. It's it's a it's a, definitely some selfish intentions behind there as well. <laughs> yeah, not wrong with that, man. Not at all. And um, and how's the podcast going? Podcast is cool. Insighted podcast, it's called. Um, and that's been a a learning curve, you know. Uh, I think I'm like eleven episodes in. I try to do one every week, and. Uh, yeah, it's tough getting figuring out screen readers and what programs work with screen readers and uh, 
figuring out how to use a mixing board and all this stuff has been wild um yeah it's a lot it is way more work than than people realize i think doing them yeah they make it sound like yeah just get yourself a mic and uh you're good to go it's like no it's more into doing it but i'm the same as you i record and i i don't edit you know i just it is what it is and i post it up um i think i finally figured out how to get um my audio decent um there's a couple episodes that are just shit you know but the last couple i finally and figuring out you know also like the content um having stuff to talk about because <laughs> it's just me a lot of the time just talking um yeah you take listener questions don't you as well and yeah you know, get, questions, yeah. got get contributions in and stuff like that yeah yeah i feel that sometimes not knowing what to talk about i just usually at the end of mine in the beginning just talk a right load of shit and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh it seems That's to work cool. all right man yeah it's it's fun though. I like it. It's, it's cool. And it's just, for me, it's just, uh, another way to, to just show who I am. You know, my, again, my blindness is kind of just like talk about it quite a bit on there. Um, but, um, really it's just kind of a backdrop, you know, tell funny stories about things that have happened to me with my blindness and stuff like that. And talk about skating a lot in the beginning. Oh, that's good stuff. So, yeah well like you say it's just another way of like helping people understand that it doesn't need to define you isn't it you know like which which seems to be the theme of of what you've been talking about really you know the idea that i think you put it really well you like have it as a backdrop rather than in the foreground as like do people still this is kind of silly question but i'll ask i'll ask it anyway do, do you still find that there's a stigma like with now that you've now that you've personally um yeah you know, absolutely accept, accepted yeah. it yourself like does, does does what what do you put that stigma down to because i i find that quite confusing to hear about is that because people don't know how to be with blind people yeah that's that's the number one thing uh, you know, when I first was blind, I didn't know a single person who was blind or anything about it. Um, and that's the, the average person, you know, like they don't know anything about it or what it's like to be blind. They just think like, oh, he can't see, he can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine being blind. I wouldn't be able to do anything, you know? Yeah. You think you, think you can't even, <laughs> in my field, you know, you meet people who, who think that their their grandpa who's losing their sight can't eat with silverware or a plate anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like crazy stuff like that. Um, it's just that not knowing um, and the education. It's slowly getting better for sure with social media and all these organizations and all the rights and stuff. But we've been fighting for for equal rights since um we started fighting you know since uh our silver when we, when we first fought for civil rights um accessibility for for the disabled was a part of that um it just yeah. got you know for for the, all the right reasons and obvious reasons it got outshined by civil rights you know what i mean yeah, people course, being yeah. people being segregated and and treated different because just because of the color of their skin so 
Um, but there's been kind of another rise with that, you know, just like every other group <laughs> that feels marginalized nowadays with social media. Yeah. Um, but there's feel- been a change for sure. You, so that's what I was going to ask. So you feel like that there, there, there has been a change in the way that it's generally perceived by people? Yeah, within within certain echo chambers, I guess. You know, I still, when I travel, it's, it's just annoying the way people treat me differently. You know, from the TSA to the security to people guiding me um, to places and Uber drivers and all this stuff. Um, it's just those little interactions that just drive me nuts, you know, where people... Right just treat me different, you know, and don't think I'm, I'm capable of doing simple things just really pisses me off. Um, and so it's, uh, it's good, you know, hopefully my platform keeps growing, you know, um, and I can get outside of just, just the visually impaired world, you know, most people know me within that world, you know, um, within the rehabilitation field and stuff like that. But yeah, when you get into day to day, everyday people, you know, people don't know who I, who I am. Um, so hopefully, I can get more into that and and kind of just show, you know, through my social media and stuff like that, that hey, just treat me normal, you know, like I'm still capable. You don't have to, you know, change your verbiage around me or or yeah. grab my arm and guide me and do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's that's the big goal. But yeah, I still see it for sure, you know. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things, isn't it, that people just like, I say people, you know, us as humans, like we're really good at ignoring things that that aren't, that don't affect us and then just pretending that they don't exist, aren't we? You know, it's like, it's because obviously it just shouldn't be a big deal because it's a reality for so many millions of people, thousands of people, whatever, and it you know really we should be doing everything we can just to make it as normal as possible but but people just don't want to engage with things like that do they because i guess yeah that's that's their nature you know is that if it's not bothering me I, i don't i don't have the time for it you know people are and i i get it i know there's you know i always feel that i'm i got it pretty easy compared to as far as even disabilities go um as race goes anything like that you know like i got it we got it pretty easy as as a blind person for sure there's bigger problems out there um and i there's that i get that and that's why i don't like i said i try not to take my my stuff too serious you know i just do i just live my life um and showcase that you know i'm not out there like you know, really like advocating in a, in a very, uh, I guess like serious way. Like, um, I'm not at any, you know, political level or anything like that of trying to get things, laws changed or anything like that. Um, I just do what I can with my, my little bit of presence I have on on Instagram. So, yeah. 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 Well, I think like you say, just showing people that it, that you you're not defined by is enough isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's what i hope you know that's what i looked at you know people like aaron weinmayer who you know it's the blind guy who uh person who's blind who um climbed mount everest 
Yeah, just um, reading about just... stories like that, you're just like, oh, no way! There's people out here yeah. doing it. And then to yes. actually hear him talk is 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 too, too. You know, you don't see too many interviews with him. Or I just like to hear. You just want to hear somebody who's blind. That's what I would have liked to hear more about when I was going through it. Um, to hear somebody like me just talk and be like, oh. Eventually, you realize, oh, okay, I'm gonna. It takes years to to get used to it. Um, I still am getting used to it in a lot of ways, but like, it's just of coping with it, uh, getting some training and, and being comfortable. Um, that that takes a little while, but you will get there. You know, if you're working towards it, so and you'll eventually figure your life out. Because it, 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 especially losing like I did your vision later in life, um, is is not fun to deal with, but. Being able to hear somebody like me, hopefully I can pass that on and be like, oh, a little bit of work, you can get there and you can still do whatever you, whatever you want to do, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to get you on here, man. So thanks. Th- thanks so much for doing it. It's, uh, yeah, it's super interesting to, to chat to you about it all. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And yeah, like I, I appreciate you inviting me and spreading that message too, dude. That's yeah, no, good. All good, man. All good. We'll have a great trip to uh, to the West Coast now that you can leave again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll see you for how long. Yeah. So there you go. That was me and Dan, and I hope you enjoyed it. A lot to take in with that one, eh? I think what I found personally completely awe-inspiring about Dan's story is his humbleness and the way he's turned what was obviously such an awful and life-changing experience into something that can you know, he's obviously having the power to really change people's lives. So big thanks to Dan for coming onto the show and talking about his experiences so openly and honestly. Nice one. Thanks, Dan. So housekeeping corner. I'm just back from Cornwall, actually, where I went on a little post-quarantine trip, which was great. First time I've been back since pre-lockdown when I went up there to interview Mikey Lay, James Otter, Steve England, Gwyn Haslock and Chris Hines a Cornish omnibus, if you will, all those episodes you can find in my archive. I was up there hosted once again by my friends at the Watergate Bay Hotel. Thanks very much. Great trip as usual. Can't wait to go back. Really love it up there, down there even. And I was also recently a guest on another podcast. I've been doing a few of them recently, which was part of the Citizen of Winter online festival, which was organized by a few of the grassroots sustainability groups that have popped up in the French Alps over the years. One Tree at a Time, that's one of them. Montan Vert, which is another one. Bluebird Snow Exchange, which is the third. Anyway, they have all got together to organize this online festival of ideas. And it's really exploring the issues of sustainability and winter sports. You know, is such a thing possible? And they had me on as a guest because they did a big run of podcasts with lots of different people. And yeah, it was a really interesting conversation with host Gavin Fernie-Jones about sustainability in the mountains, the need for strong leadership, and some of the simple steps we can take to make some effective changes in our lives. If you've listened to Type 2, I did cover some themes that I talk about quite frequently on that podcast. Anyway, if you want to have a listen, you can find the link to this one over on my Instagram bio at We Look Sideways if you want to have a gander. Give us a follow while you're at it, eh? And the themes me and Gav chatted about, like I say, covered frequently on Type 2, my podcast with Patagonia. And they're also pretty similar to themes that my close friend and recent podcast guest, Lauren McCallum, 
covered in her latest blog, Segway Alert, for the Looking Sideways website. She covered the five simple changes you can make. It's a good one. Head on over to www.wearelookingsideways.com where you'll find this and plenty more blog entries from previous guests such as Chaz Smith, Matt Warshaw, Lauren Hill, Ben Mundy, James Otter, Tim Baker. There's a lot of them up there. You'll also find the full archive of episodes, the show notes and all the rest of it. It's a big old resource to get stuck into. So yeah, have a look. Let me know if you like what you see. All right, that's it for this week shorter housekeeping corner than usual but that's fine I just haven't got a lot to talk about this week I'm sure I'll be waffling on as I always do after the next episode if you do want to get in touch actually I realized I've got episode 150 coming up pretty soon and uh, yeah I'd be interested to hear what you know how I should mark that I've always been marking these milestone episodes with carefully chosen guests so yeah, let me know what you think. You can get me at podcast at wearelookingsideways.com or over at we look sideways on Instagram, like I've been saying. All right, that's it for this week. Nice one. See you later. Mm-hmm.